So we are continuing that series, Rooted. Uh, it's, uh, we're going to be looking at devotionals. And as usual, my original intention for, um, for the message ended up being transformed along the way. Because at first I was going to talk about devotionals and kind of give you a bunch of different options. And I'll, I'll give you some tools, but I got captured by the concept of being devoted. When you start thinking about devotion and what that means and what it meant to the early church and how transformative that was for them, it kind of makes you go, what happened, right? Where, what's going on and, and how do we get that back? So let me start with Acts chapter 2. It's, uh, this is uh, the early church. It's the uh, Pentecost, the time when the Holy Spirit came. And then we have verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread, and to prayer. They devoted themselves to those things. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they held everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That sounds pretty cool, huh, doesn't it? They're being together in that way. This passage comes right after the Pentecost. Peter's preaching that saw 3,000 get saved. It's when God's Holy Spirit took up residence in the hearts of his people when, when we became the temple. What's supernatural about the church of Jesus Christ is that God lives in us. Does that blow you away or what? The creator of everything, when you say yes to him, he resides in you. Is that, am I the only one that's kind of like stunned and gone, up? wait, how does that work? God, how does God live in me? It's, it's beyond me, right? It does, it's beyond understanding. It's unfathomable. It's, it's infinite, and I'm finite, and I can't get it, and, and it, it's there, and it's real, and what do we do with all of these stuff of God? The disciples were together in the early church. They we're not only close in proximity, because they did. They, they were together, they each, each uh, doing things together, but they were close in purpose. They were one in heart and mind, as, as it tells us. And, and they were probably as close to being one as the Father and Son or one as the church has ever been, which is that goal that we've been talking about all year. And, but they did have disagreements. They didn't get along. Look at the Jerusalem Council. This was not a church that didn't argue and fuss and carry on. It was a church that put God's will first. And so we can, we can dis, did you know that we can disagree and still like each other? In fact, we can disagree and love each other. Isn't that crazy in this world of ours? It's true. We don't have to agree on everything. In fact, if we are agreeing, somebody's just not talking because, you know, <laughs> there's an opinion that's going to be different, right? That's just the way that we are as human beings. How many denominations are there? Yikes, right? There's <laughs> just countless. You know, that's because we don't agree, but we can love one another in spite of that. There were 3,000 people. There were more than 3,000 people who heard Peter's message. There were 3,000 people who heard Peter's message on that day who, who, who were saved. They were cut to the heart. They repented. They were baptized for the forgiveness of their sins, and they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. They received the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is when the church kind of came into being, right? This is when God took up residence. He became, it, we became his dwelling place, and God was dwelling with and in us. 
He was creating for himself a people, a special possession, as Peter tells us later. He was taking ordinary, sinful people and creating an amazing group of followers and of faith. And I hesitate, it's church, but I hesitate to say he created the church because when I say that, you start thinking of steeples and buildings. He created a, a fellowship of believers called the ecclesia, called the church. And by the way, you know who the church is. It's us, right? It's the people, and, and we meet in a building, but this is not a church. This is a building, and we are the church. And that's critically important if we're going to live into the calling that God has for us. It's bigger than us. He took ordinary sinful people. Anybody identify? <laughs> yeah, you know, he took folks like us and made this church, and these people were saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. They were given a hope and a future, and that hope and that future and that salvation is still here, and it's still available for us. It's the power of God. It's an awesome church. It's, it's amazing what's happened and that God did and how he managed to do this, and those people were devoted. They were devoted. They were, they, they, if we're going to have an awesome church, then we've got to find this way to be devoted. And we talk about having devotions that are expression of love, our love and commitment to Christ. And those are great. We spend time with Jesus. We're devoted. But as with any relationship that we are devoted to, there are going to be some factors and some things involved. And so here's a few. Love and loyalty. See, the Acts, and church, the Acts church was certainly devoted. But there's another sense. There's a word called prescaterero. It's a Greek word. And what it means is steadfastly committed. And so it's, this, what's great about this is that it's a twofold thing going on. There's love and loyalty, which is our heart. We're loyal with our heart. It's, it's, it's that being, who we are as a being. But it's more than that. It's, we're steadfast and committed in our actions. You know, I talked last week. I, that was a 43-minute sermon. Did you know that? That's the longest sermon I've ever given in this place, you know. Longest sermon I've ever given anywhere. But I was talking about Bible. You know, it's hard to, word of God, it's hard to not, you know, go into that. But in talking about that, I talked about Pauline theology. We are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest anyone can boast. And James, who says, faith without works is dead, and these things work together. Well, here it is, right? Love and loyalty is a matter of the heart. That's kind of the Paul theme of this is a gift, and it's grace, and, and we embrace that. But when our hearts change, what happens? Our actions change. When you encounter the living God. When you encounter the living God, you cannot help but be changed. You cannot. You can try and not be changed, and you can't. God is that way and that powerful. He is incredible. So these two elements, is love and loyalty, matter of the heart, steadfast and committed, matter of the actions that we take, come together in a way in the church which allows us to become a force for God in our community. And they knew that. They lived that. Those people were involved with this new kingdom brought to earth. That kingdom come that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It was brought to earth. And it was brought in a significant way. They were loyal and committed and they were there with their hearts and their actions. And they were devoted to these four things that are mentioned just in this brief passage. The apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of the bread, and prayer. And as we go forward in this message, I want you to be thinking this. I want you to be thinking why. 
Why were they devoted to this stuff? What is it that happened? Because something happened that brought it about. Why did this group of people at this time, why did they get devoted to these things? Why were they emotionally connected and steadfast in them? Because there were consequences in this church. And we're talking the Jewish people. and and, And if you accepted Jesus, you were moving into a different religion. And that had consequences. It often meant that they would be cut off from their Jewish family. And by cut off, I mean some Jewish parents would find out that they're following Jesus and they would be literally made dead in a, in a process in the Jewish church. They would be separated completely from the family. There was, it cost the early believers. This was not easy for them. It wasn't going down. You know, you drive around here, you can't go five minutes without hitting two, three churches. You know, it wasn't like that. And, and, and if you made that decision, it was costly to follow them. But they made the kingdom of heaven the priority of their lives. It became the most important thing. And their love for the other disciples grew. Because even though they may have lost their earthly family, they had a new one. They had a new one. So why, but why would they face these things? And I think they embraced something. They embraced the offer that God had given them. That God gave them an amazing offer. It's an offer of salvation. And and that freed them from the things of this world because they began to see differently. When we have eternal vision, it changes the way that we see our present. And, And that's powerful. They had a new family, a new life, and a new way of being. And they were indeed devoted to it. See, God had saved them. God had saved them, and they knew it. It was internal. They'd heard the message, the apostles' message. They recognized their need for a Savior. They came to faith, repented from the way of life that was away from God so that they could draw nearer to God, were baptized for the forgiveness of their sins, and then they received this thing that we take for granted way too often, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, God living in us, God moving in and taking up residence. Salvation is so miraculous, so amazing, so incredible that it, that it changes their devotion. It changes our hearts because that's when I talk about encountering living God, I'm talking about encountering the Holy Spirit in a powerful way, and it will move you. It'll move you. It might move you away because you might go, oh, a little scared of that. You want me to change what? No, I don't want to change that. I want to hang on to that. You encounter the living God, though, this Holy Spirit, this power, it changes things. And devotion was there, devotion where their hearts were fully engulfed in the love of God. But it wasn't just there, right, the cross. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's our cross. Anytime you see the cross, it reminds us of those great commandments. And they knew it. They, were, they loved God, and they loved their neighbor, and they were willing to sacrifice in order to become who God had wanted them to be. And I think that today's church would do better to if we allowed that to happen, if we allowed that thought and that reality of salvation to just blow us away. You know, God lives in you. God lives in you. How crazy is that? God lives in you. That, that should be just this, how does that happen? It, it flood us. Flood us, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Flood us and let us know how amazing it is. Father, too often we are just not amazed enough at you. I pray that you just knock our socks off this week and show us stuff, the wonder of a God who lives within us. We've lost sight, Lord, of that freedom that comes when we live our lives as as if we actually have eternity before us, as if we actually do have a future and we're not as bound up in today. Our vision is too often focused on, on just what we see here, and thus we get trapped in the present instead of freed for eternal life. We get trapped here thinking this is it. 
You know, one, last year at some point, I got this rope, and I did a little end of it, and that's our life here. And I strung this thing all over it because eternity, and, and, I, and, and there's not enough rope, right, because eternity is a straight line. This is our life here, and the rest of that rope is the rest of it. And where do we spend all of our focus? It's here instead of seeing whatever's going on now is a temporary thing, and i got an eternity before me, and it's going to be awesome, and God is there. I'm telling you, there's more to it than just sitting in a pew in a chair. It's, there's a life to live. There's something amazing. And if we let that happen, salvation to flood our souls like that, Katie, bar the door, right? It ain't, it's going to be crazy. You know, God's going to do crazy stuff because God wants to do crazy stuff, you know, and we're just a little bit bound up. And we need to get, instead of this, we need to be free. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I'm a little excited, okay? Ephesians chapter 3. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power. power. Dunamis. That's right. T- together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ is. And to know that this love surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. The early church was enveloped in this fullness of God, this love that God had. And they fought with each other, and they loved each other anyway. Their experience of God caused and created this devotion that they had, this willingness to set aside their own stuff and participate at depth in what was going on. It's both their hearts and their actions. Prescaterero. Salvation was an experience that changed them forever. They were not the same. So they were devoted. And the things they were devoted to, the apostles' teaching. They wanted to learn about this new salvation. When, when this happens and you start to go, okay, what's going on? How do I learn more? Get into the Word because the Word is where it's going to be. That's why last week I went so long because I thought it was that important, you know, that we talk about the Bible and what it is and, and how to access it. This kingdom that we're now a part of is important. It's the same kingdom of heaven that we are citizens of, that they were looking to. So are we. We are part of this kingdom, life. And it's a kingdom that's so totally different from the world. So how do we learn about the kingdom? Study. Get into it. Get with it. You know, teach. There's still the, you want to learn, teach. You know, the, the word of God, I'll tell you, you want to get, get, uh, get a little bit nervous. It's like, oh, I got to get this right. You know, uh, our hearts are devoted because God has acted. God has acted. He's given salvation. We're devoted to his word in both heart and steadfastness. I love that word. Have you noticed? Because this salvation is so amazing. Are you getting that flavor this morning? I hope that, if, if you don't remember anything else, that it is incredible that God lives in us. It's just that, it's, you know, it's whatever bigger word than incredible is, it's that. You know, it's just phenomenal. It's beyond anything that we know. And, but you have this this sense of, I got to learn more. You know, when you encounter God, it's like, I want to know more. And then you got to then get in, and now I want to learn more and learn more. But it doesn't end there because there's fellowship involved. And I invite you to stay too today. Because if we're going to be one as a father and son are one, then we need to start hanging out with each other. Back then, you know, they had lost, many of them had lost their earthly families, and they became devoted to one another in their new family. They were sharing life with these followers of Jesus. They were sharing life. And and they were devoted with their hearts, but their actions followed. It's very powerful. Time and energy was given to one another as they shared life together. And we are terrible as a, at the, as a church at this. I'll just be straight with you. We are not good at sharing life together. We're good at, at coming together 
and we're good at, at doing a thing here and a thing there, but we're not good at sharing life together, you know? This world doesn't want us to, by the way, and that's part of the problem, but, but we just, it, it's, a, it's an effort to do that. But when we're sharing life and we have that kind of togetherness, then it shows up in how we love one another. Because then we begin to know what's going on in each other's lives. Not so that we can gossip, please, but so that we can be there when something's going on. So that we can walk together through the stuff that happens in life. Because you, when you say yes to Jesus, I, I know that there's some thoughts out there that all, everything goes away and it's, and it's just peaches and cream. But I got news for you. Life is life and life is in session, right? So we need one another to do that. And sharing that kind of togetherness shows up in that way that we love one another. It shows up in the priority that the church has in our lives. I don't mean the building. I mean one another. We're the church. It's the priority that we have in one another's lives. And that's important because the kingdom of heaven deserves your best. The kingdom of God deserves your best, not your leftovers. You know, God deserves your very best. Not the things, well, I've got a little left over here or the things that you can spare. The kingdom is so amazing that being devoted is the correct response. God is experienced in community and in a community of faith. God is best experienced in that way. Together is how, is how we experience the love of God. Breaking of bread, that's just a picture of worship. You know, the early church was intentionally meeting to remember Christ. They were worshiping the one who provided salvation, the one who created the church. It was worthy of their devotion. So they would have meals together at their homes, which is great, and, 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 but they had a special meal, one that we're going to celebrate here in a little bit too. You know, the Lord's Supper, the, the Eucharist, uh, communion. I don't really care what you want to call it. It's got lots of names out there. We're going to celebrate and what God did as we remember Jesus. We are devoted and committed to the same thing. Now as then, this is a tradition and a, and a powerful tradition in the church. It's powerful for us. Every time we participate, we remember Christ and we give worth to him because he is our God and our Savior. This is his kingdom, by the way. We are citizens in it. Same kingdom as they had. But it's his kingdom. It's his blood that washes away our sin. We remember Jesus. We're devoted in heart and action to him and to what he did on the cross. We're devoted to worship because God made himself available through Jesus Christ. God, you may have heard this this morning. Did you know that God lives in us? You know? God lives in you. And he's deserving of our worship. And we spent a lot of time on prayer. The early church was devoted to prayer, and they had a personal relationship with their creator that had not existed before. And, and, but here they had it, and they didn't need a priest anymore to offer sacrifices for them. They could go straight to God, and it was powerful change for them. And that early church was committed to being a life and a church of prayer. And God will always show up in the hearts and lives of his people and the churches that allow him to be the lead, that allow him to lead their lives and, and to let him change their hearts. God wants to be active in the life of the church, but he gave us the ability to kind of shut that down if we don't embrace who he is. It takes devotion. That's what kind of messed me up on my, my plan this week because as I got into this, it was, if without devotion, I mean, we're lost. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He will strengthen your heart. Be committed to him. 
He will do it. He'll pull it off, even when it doesn't seem like he can. And I did promise to provide some tools for devotion. Uh, there are a lot of resources out there. There really, really are. Some good, some not so good. So a great place to start, as always. If you know someone who who's, has a devotional life or, or who, who has kind of that staunch, that, 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 that devotion study life that you like, go to them and say, hey, what do you do? What is it that you do? Because, I, you know, I want to learn. I use version quite a bit, Bible.com. Uh, I like songs. You guys probably noticed that. And so on YouVersion, uh, uh, Bible.com, I can look up Crowder, and it gives me a list of, you know, of devotions by Crowder or Hillsong or any other artist, and I use those. Um, right now, I'm in one by Hillsong. But that's one of the things that I do. But there are a lot of resources out there. Uh, Jesus Calling, there's a, I don't do that one, but a lot of folks love Jesus Calling. It's, it's Jesus talking to you. And the amazing thing that I hear from folks is that on any certain day, there will be a day when it's exactly the thing that Jesus is, needs to say to them. There's Our Daily Bread, Guideposts, Upper Room Devotionals. Crosswalk.com is just a website that has a slew of devotionals. And if you go there, you're going to see a lot of devotionals. One of the classics, probably the classic devotionals, My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. Um, can't go wrong with that one. Um, some folks are, I don't have time. How do I do this? Well, there's, there's a website called first5.org and an app called First Five. You know what that is? Yeah, first five minutes of the day. You get a devotional, and it's a five-minute devotional, and it just it meets you in, 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 on the app, and, and you just do five minutes. Um, Charles Stanley and In Touch Ministry have a five-minute Bible study. You know, there's the, there are resources out there for all of us wherever we are and whatever, wherever we are, you know. Some folks, it's hard to find the time. Some folks have more time. Here's the main thing. Take the time. Set up a plan. Get started on that plan, and I would suggest this. Have an accountability person to help you. Because if you don't have that accountability person, then it's easy to set it aside. And it's not somebody you have to meet with. You can, but you don't have to. It's somebody who's going to uh, call you, text you, and say, did you do your devotional today? Did you do your devo today? Whatever it is that reminds us and holds us accountable to what we have committed to do. Because God is looking for people who are willing to be devoted to him. Let's be those people, right? Let's do this. Let's grab hold of this. Let's put our heart and our actions together so that we can walk into the place that God would have us to be. And one of the things that I was doing for a long time and then stopped doing, and, and I'm starting it back, and you can be my accountability. I, for the longest time, I would post a devotional that I was doing from Bible.com on Facebook on my personal page, and I would write a prayer for the Arbor Point United Methodist Church page. So I'm back. I'm going to start doing that again. I did it this morning. And if you don't see it, feel free to say, hey, you know, that's, a, you know, that's, easy, that's an easy one, right? If it's not there, just shoot me a message and say, you said you were going to do this, and you didn't. So <laughs> make some time. Make some time. That's the main thing. So we're going to celebrate Holy Communion. We're going to make some time. And as you come forward to, uh, today, Remember Jesus and remember the miracle. I mean the miracle that he lives in you. Andy. Andy.